I want to start off with a couple of Bible verses. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is telling us something about the way the brain works, the way, actually the way life works. The way you think, as you think, the way you think, the things that you think. But it goes even further than that. There it is, death and life and the power of the tongue. The things that not only that you think, but the things especially that you say. Especially the things that you say. I've even had to change the things that I say to my wife when we first get up in the morning. Usually say, you know, how'd you sleep? How are you feeling? In one day out of four, I may solicit, you know, I didn't sleep so well. Yeah, I got a little pain in my shoulders. I'm asking a question that potentially can get a negative answer right off the bat in the morning. The first thing she says, I didn't sleep so well. The things that you say, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I wonder why death comes first in that verse. Because most of us, we sort of like it. It's a cultural thing. It's, it's what we say because we're being nice but there's something, as we tell someone how we're not doing so well, not in all cases, because certainly there is grieving that needs to happen between people, but in some cases, especially with our friends and family, we talk negativity and we exchange sympathy for power because death and life are in the power of the tongue. You just start off saying, I'd rather get the sympathy because I really don't believe my words have any power. Well, they do. And you have an enemy who wants to keep you believing that your words don't have power. Now, even in the New Age, I mean, there are so many forces out there telling you that your words all have power. You can imagine, you can say whatever you want, and you can get it. The universe will give it to you. That's not what I'm saying but I am saying your words have power and they know it. There's truth, right? All truth is God's truth. Are your things that you're saying in line with the things that God is saying? That's the question to ask. Not I want a million dollars, will the universe give it to me? But what, is, what life can you be speaking over yourself? over your family, your job, your situation? What life can you be speaking? And I'm hoping that even this weekend, we're going to be able to start speaking some life over our situations. Because death and life are in the power of your tongue. The things that you think and the things that you say have a lot of power, especially when you say the things over your life that God is saying over your life. We know that Jesus is with the Father interceding for you. But what is he saying? If you're able to pray the same things that he's praying, we know that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. If you're able to pray what the Holy Spirit is praying, saying the words about you that he's saying, 
I believe those prayers will be answered. I'll start out telling you a little about my story. When I ask for someone's story, I usually ask them, tell me about your parents. How were you raised? Because that's a lot of how we got here. My father was raised in a traditional Jewish family in pre-war Europe. When the Nazis came through, the family lost all of their material possessions. My father, his brother, and mother came to the U.S., as refugees. It was tough for my dad. When he was in his 20s, someone put a copy of the New Testament in his hands. His last name was Levi, started with L, so he began reading the book of Luke. And the character of Jesus became just fascinating to him. Ultimately, he became a follower of Jesus, a Messianic Jew. His parents did not approve. He married my mother, who was not Jewish. His parents did not come to the wedding. I grew up going to church. I didn't care for church. When I went off to, to school, I really stopped going. In medical school, God is not very popular. (laughs) Jesus, even less popular. Why? In universities, pretty much the same thing. You're young, attractive, great prospects ahead of you. All the world's a stage. Everything is going your way. The patients get sick, they get diseases, the doctors don't. I mean, we have a lot of these strange ideas, and they all want to push God out. And the people that I saw, the powerful people, the wealthy people, they didn't seem to need God. And I wanted to be like that. And so I felt... Conflicted, I would say. Now, the brain is fascinating how it decides what to believe. See, we all think that we're very, very logical. We all hold that we don't have any biases. That we walk in truth because it's truth. But using myself as an example, I can tell you that that is... That is not true. We're all very biased. In fact, for my father to become a follower of Jesus, anytime someone changes their faith, it raises eyebrows. Why? Because the brain typically doesn't do that. It doesn't doesn't want any social pain. Your brain is trying to help you, trying to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. So you're not really going to want to go against what your family believes or what your social circle believes or what the other medical students believe. You're going to want to go the easy way. That's what your brain's going to tell you. 
And it's going to pull in anything that supports that view. And it's going to quash, uh, squelch anything that seems to object to that view. I mean, who are the people that... I mean, scientists typically don't believe in God. And we say, well, why not? What's their social circle like? What, what, is their, what are their career aspirations? How is that going to go if they suddenly say, oh, yeah, I believe God created the world. Oh, my biology experiments, all that. We have biases. So I didn't want to believe it was true. I didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah. It wasn't good news to me. Interesting, Jesus comes to give us the good news, the gospel, but if it's not good news to you and your social situation, you're going to find a reason to reject it. It doesn't make sense, don't need it. For the poor people, whatever it is, you got other options. Well, I did well. I got out into practice. Went to neurosurgical training. Technically, I was an auto mechanic early on, and so I had some technical gifts, and I was able to do very, very well working under a microscope in small spaces. They flew me to Paris to operate. I was sort of ascending this neurosurgical ladder. I wanted to be the best. I was chasing something. I, I, I had to keep doing more difficult operations to feel good about myself. I mean, the description of an addiction is what? You need higher dose or higher frequency. Work can give you an addiction. Shopping, I mean, there are any number of addictions that we have, but I had to have always something bigger. My specialty was operating on the blood vessels of the brain. So not just standard brain surgery where you open up the skull and you know, take out a tumor. But you operate on the blood vessels where there are aneurysms or growths on the vessels. And if, if something happens in that surgery, death can happen very, very quickly. Whereas tumor surgery, you probably have you know, some, some wiggle room with vascular surgery. It's the one field that you have the least room to make a mistake. I was attracted to that. I was attracted to the thrill of all of it. And I kept doing more and more difficult operations, and I was successful at them. I was well-trained. And I also used my imagination. And one of the things we want to talk about is imagination this weekend. Your imagination is potentially one of the most powerful things about you. What you think, what you say, are going to reflect your imagination. What do you imagine is going to go well for you or poorly for you in the future? 
It's interesting. Just to read the Bible, you've got to have an imagination. And those of us who grew up in church reading the Bible don't understand that someone who comes to the Bible had better have a very good imagination. From in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You, you need to be imagining this. And then there's a flood. And then so many things that people without imagination or who don't want to believe it say, oh, no, no, no. That doesn't fit with my imagination. But somehow God requires us to have a very vivid imagination. In fact, he, all through the scriptures, there are all these things that just keep challenging your imagination. The miracles, the fire falling from heaven. And then we get to the New Testament, and right away there is a virgin birth. And if, and if you're having trouble imagining that, as some people are, well, Joseph was having trouble imagining that. You're in good company. Well, don't worry, an angel appeared to him too. You're going to have to imagine that. And then the wise men had dreams and off they went. And how is your imagination? I mean, we're surrounded by a world that says, if you can't see it, if you can't touch it, it doesn't exist. And I'm saying you are missing out on a lot if that's all you've got, what you can see, what you can touch, what you hear. See, that's why what we say and what we think are so critical. It's going to betray your imagination out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're imagining what's going to happen. I want you to imagine that this weekend is going to be very, very good for you. That your imagination is going to be taken to the next level. What can happen in your life? What God wants to happen in your life? What your destiny? We don't want to miss that. Which reminds me, everyone, I would love it if you would turn your cell phones off. I have this thing about cell phones. First of all, just knowing that your cell phone is there and that you might get a call diminishes your IQ by 10%. Right off the top. I want to give you permission because most of us are addicted to those phones. And if you, I mean, I take a 24-hour Sabbath and I tell you, just setting it down and shutting it off I twitch a bit, you know, the next morning. I, somebody might need, it's an addiction. It's an addiction. Can you trust God with that person and that person with God? They have a savior, guess what? It's not you. That emergency call that you might get, guess what? They have a savior and it's not you. And if look, if you need to at the break, send a text, say, I'm not going to be available tomorrow. I would love First of all, if you would not check your phone, if you have to check it when you get home, you've got some emergency, fine. I, I, I'd like you tonight, leave it off. Tomorrow, even leave it home or leave it off. We're going to try to check those things just minimally. 
At the same time, you're going to be checking your addiction. How bad you think you have to check that is an indication to you. we got to know ourselves. We have to, we have to know who we are. We have to know where our weaknesses are. And if you have to, I don't want you to ask the question, why? Why? Is it because of what they might think of me if I don't answer in the next five seconds, five minutes, five hours? How long do you give yourself? Who are you a slave to? I want to give you permission, if you'll receive it, permission not to check that phone tonight. It's up to you. I'm not going to police this, but you, most of the time we don't have permission. Our lives are run by those things. And at the end of tonight, I'm going to give the last 10, 15 minutes, it's going to be a time of silence. Because most of the time when you come to a conference, it is nonstop, go, 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 speak, eat, bathroom, sleep, speak. And most people need to take a vacation from their conference. And I want to treat the whole person. So the things that I say carry a lot of weight. I've already said some weighty things. And I want to take the last 10 or 15 minutes, and I want you to sit with those things, and I want you to sit with the Lord, because that is who, he is who you've come to hear tonight. To be able to meditate, to be able to think. Because so often the reason we have to check those phones is because of what we don't want to think about. And if I can encourage you with his help to focus on those things, let's confront some of these things so that you can sit in silence for a bit, so that you can have peace with yourself, so that you don't always need the phone or the radio on or the TV on or some noise. Every restaurant we go to, noise, noise, noise. People cannot face what their mind will think about if there is silence. 